Welcome to Hot Plate, the conversations we should be having about our food and drink. I'm your host, Mirella Amato. Today on Hot Plate, we chat with Steve Riley from BetterBeer.com about when good beer goes bad. Then, the enthusiasm for edibles and bathing in beer, and a weird widget that stumps us both. Josh, now we have a guest in the studio today. Very exciting. Welcome. The fantastic Mr. Steve Riley, who is a very good friend of mine and draft beer expert. Expert. Super expert. Welcome, Steve. Uh, yeah. You guys are setting the bar really high. <laughs> How long have you been working in draft, Steve? Uh, since 2001. Yeah, we work with bars and restaurants, hospitality professionals. We help them improve their draft beer quality, profitability, and their sales. Uh, so forgive the ignorance of this question. Why do we need to care about this? Have you... You drink beer. I know I you do, because I've been listening to the podcast. Yes, yes. Um, so when you go into a bar or restaurant, you get a pint of draft, and it's cloudy, it's flat, okay. it doesn't taste right, it's warm. Yep. Right? And you, and you take a sip of it, and you might not know what's wrong with it, but you know there's something wrong. And you go, man, okay. that just doesn't taste right, it doesn't look right, it, it, mm. something's not right about it. Um, we help bars solve that problem. So... We'll work with them to say, you know, your your lines aren't getting cleaned properly, or the temperature's not right, it's not being poured properly, it's in dirty glasses. All the things that go wrong with draft happen at the bar. Okay. In the old days when people were charging $4 for a pint, it didn't really matter. Like, honestly, hmm. you, you could buy trays of draft for, you know, those little glasses, 25 cents each. Now, we, we have clients charging ten fifty for a pint of draft before tax. Wow. And that's not uncommon in Toronto. Like it is in, in any major mm. city across country. The other thing historically is there were fewer lines and the beer was moving quickly. So the yeah. issues occurred less frequently, oh, right? I historically. See. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you go in a place, they have four taps. Mm-hmm. And again, trays of draft, right? They're right. pumping out drafts. Just one, like they turn the tap on, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. It didn't matter because it was the keg would get tapped, it would get the drained, end. and that was it. Okay. Now we see 20, 30, 50, 60, 80, 100 lines. Okay. And it's not being sold in a month. Right. And all this more sort of small batch bespoke uh, beer. Exactly. That, uh, that you have to know is there and come in and order it, and it's not moving quite as quickly. Exactly. Uh, so then what happens to those? pipes what happens what can happen so in inside the line you'll get um, a lot of buildup so beer has a lot of calcium in it calcium rich should we say yeah. yes. I like yes. that. I can, can we yeah, say that mineral rich yes. thank you rich. okay so inside the lines you get what are called beer stone and they look like little grains of sand okay. so like if you were to take a flashlight and shine it in the line it hadn't been cleaned in a while you'll see it's little grains of sand little white specks and that's beer stone just calcium deposits oh, and then okay. the yeast attaches to the calcium deposit and then it produces diastole and it gets a sour and all these notes and, and characteristics in the beer that turn the beer. Okay. And I always argue that it gives you an exaggerated hangover. So Ooh. you'll go to a bar and you'll have two pints and the next day you wake up and you feel like you had 10, right? Your head's pounding, your stomach's turning and you're Ooh. like, oh my, what happened last night, right? I only had two beers. Dirty lines. So we're already deep into it, yeah, <laughs> but the reason, I love that. Uh, okay. the reason I brought Steve <laughs> in today. Thanks, I really dove in. <laughs> I know, right. love it. I Thanks. love that you're such a curious cat. That okay. makes two of us. Um, 
it's but it's a perfect segue because I don't know about you, Josh, no, but I still come across people quite often who do not drink draft. They say draft makes them sick. I hear it a lot. Uh, yeah. Do you? Are you a draft? I drink person? draft. I prefer the pint glass over the bottle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that bigger sip. Uh, but my brother, in fact, is one of those. I don't touch draft. Right. So he has I very thought... serious opinions. So, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you can play this podcast I for will. him because <laughs> um, Steve has the answers. Okay. Uh, so I thought it would be very interesting to delve into, you know, the potential reasons why draft might impact people differently. And, you know, at the end of the day, draft beer and what's in the can and bottles is the exact same product, right? It's exactly the same. If, if you go to the brewery, any brewery, they'll say, okay, we've got a thousand liters of beer we're going to put. 200 into kegs, we're going to put 500 into cans, mm-hmm. and we're going to put 300 into bottles. And it's the same liquid. It just tastes different because of the freshness, the way it's treated, the quality control, like all those things that happen at the bar and restaurant. So, so okay, this is super interesting because I have a notable experience of a different flavor, right? Between the thing that I crack open in a can and what comes out of a what comes out of the draft in a pint glass? Mm-hmm. I I generally always prefer the pint glass because it's poured into a glass, mm-hmm. so it's that you release the CO two, so it's properly carbonated. Oh, and more often than not, it's fresher huh. because when you buy bottles, cans, uh, especially at a bar and restaurant, yeah. they don't turn over them as fast as they do the kegs. So the kegs, they get them in, they sell on tap. They sell it, they empty the keg, they get the next one in, whereas the bottles kind of sit in the fridge. Got it. Not saying the bottles and cans aren't fresh, but draft is usually fresher. Mm -hmm. And it's like bread or milk. The fresher it is, the better it's going to taste. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, okay. Draft is also better protected, right? Because the more liquid you have in the container, the less um, there's a possibility of like huge temperature sways and um, uh, a little bit of oxygen getting in to, oh, for example, okay. a bottle it can cause okay. a lot of damage. Whereas with draft, it's less of an issue. Huh. Yeah. Light struck's the big one. Skunky. Everybody uses the yeah, term skunky they to describe it. it so so tell beer. me this. What is it that people, like, are people just dubious of a, a various bars' diligence around keeping these things clean? And they're, they're convinced that Draft is a sort of bacteria factory? I don't think that they're, well, they might be. And, and they're getting smarter with okay. this, right? Um, with per bar, where they say, don't drink the Draft there, or I drink it here. But traditionally, your brother have mm. always said, I, I always drink brand A at home, and then I go to a pub or a bar, and I drink brand A, and it doesn't taste the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, therefore, draft is bad. So, I'm not drinking draft. Oh. And then they only drink bottles or cans. Oh. The problem is, is that the specific bar they were at didn't serve that brand properly, mm. and that's the problem. I right? see. Okay. And the brewers lose their mind over this stuff because they spend a fortune making sure that the beer's proper in the keg and they go through all these quality control issues sure. right, and check to make sure everything's great they give it to the licensee to the bar owner they store it in the kitchen the dirty lines all the all these things that they can do yeah well. and and then the guest gets a bad pint your brother gets a bad pint and that's it and the worst part is as a consumer or you know as a customer if i go into a bar and i order a beer and it has gone through dirty lines and i it's a specific flavor okay. anyway as a as a consumer i go into the bar and i notice that and i say something and inevitably 
they will say, well, let the brewery know there's a problem with the beer. Oh. <laughs> they will not admit. Right. And they take oh. it, they pour oh. the same beer <laughs> and it's nothing changes. Yeah. But in a perfect world, draft is, is better if oh, it's ab- treated absolutely. properly. Absolutely, And you cannot beat a great pint of draft beer that's properly poured, clean glass, clean lines and taps. You just, you I cannot think you're right. It's like it is. And, and for the most part, people can't tell you why it's great or why it's bad, but they just know. Right? Like, oh, man, that's a great pint of beer. It's I'm going to have another one. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I have forced myself to learn to drink beer because of exactly how appetizing that is. Yeah. 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 And, and the biggest way I describe it, as Morella was saying, you know, that smell when you walk in. Is a Werther's candy. You know those Werther's? Yeah, the hard my caramels. Dad those, totally. Right? That, that mouthfeel, the creamy texture, that mouthfeel that you get from a Werther's candy. That's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Dirty lines. Mm-hmm. Dirty and lines. It, it creeps into different intensities. Right. Uh, you have another theory, though, that I love, Steve, about your, the why some people get sick on draft, the, the unit theory. Yeah, and this is what we call the the million dollar beer marketing theory. Okay. Right? So people drink beer in units, not in ounces. People drink beer in units, not in ounces. So what does that mean? If if I go into a bar and I'm I'm gonna have we're gonna have three beers, right? We're gonna watch the game, we're gonna have three beers. You're drinking three times twenty ounces, essentially, right? You're drinking sixty ounces instead of three bottles, which is thirty six ounces, right? So sometimes people say, Oh, I, I get I get all, you know, don't feel great the next day when I drink so much draft. Well, yeah, because you're drinking so much draft because the the pint glasses are so much bigger than the bottles. Nobody ever says, let's drink 12 ounces of beer at lunch today. Nobody's (laughs) ever said that. They say, are we going to have a beer? Absolutely. Okay, well, what are we having? Okay, well, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll take a pint of. Yep. um, And this standardized unit is a bottle. Mm-hmm. Like yes. just in terms of thinking about um, liquor licensee kind of stuff. It's yeah. about the bottle. Yeah. Which is how many ounces? 12. Okay. And a pint is? Typically it's 18 ounces in a 20 ounce glass. Mm-hmm. Okay. 12 ounces in a bottle. So you're, oh, you're 50, 50% more liquid volume. Right. Oh, I've learned a lot. And that's why I call it the million dollar beer marketing secret because the brewers love it. Yeah. Because they're selling 50% more totally. beer. Right. So just for fun. Although this is probably a bad idea. What is the grossest thing you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. behind the Good bar? Steve question. has crazy pictures. I would love to know. So we don't clean lines and we don't service lines. But on our website, betterbeer.com, if you go, there's a wall of shame. And Good for you. <laughs> there are, because we've done, I, I think we're at probably close to fifteen or 16,000 audits now. So across Canada and the States, 10 years have been doing this. Okay. And we've seen some nasty stuff. And we've taken the worst and put them on the wall of shame. But yeah, there's... Give us a highlight. Um, the biggest thing, couplers, right? So couplers are the the piece of equipment that attaches to the keg. That's how you tap Got the it. keg. Got it, okay. So, right? so growth on those, they're leaking. Um, faucets, where the beer comes out, uh-huh. the tap, um, where it's all growth there. And then fobs are the big ones. So fobs, they're like a plastic cylinder that kind of mount on the wall. And they eliminate foaming at keg change. So when the keg empties, oh, I've heard about this. Okay, the ball drops, and it so your your bartender you're pouring a pint stops, right? So it keeps the beer in the line, stops foaming, keg change inside that fob. That's the telltale sign, right? You get mm-hmm. your flashlight, you shine it in there, and it's just like funky, blue cheesy looking, mm, just blue nasty. cheesy funky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's 
girls. Oh yeah. my goodness. I feel like we've just done the opposite of my intended effect with this segment was to <laughs> encourage yeah. people <laughs> to get, to out get there back and to drink draft. A draft. Yeah. I love draft, but um, yeah, and this is a rare but, occurrence, but right? For the most part, most people do a pretty Thank good job. Thank you. This is where yeah. I was gonna that I was yeah. gonna ask. Generally speaking, as people who do see the underbelly of this, uh-huh. the state of affairs out there generally is not one that would warrant this the, the level of uh hysteria around the anti-draft so we we do an audit we score them and so we've quantified quality which has taken us years to figure out okay we've, we've finally done it average first score is a 61 which is pretty good okay right most of our clients who've been on the program for years are somewhere around 90 95 great okay so if you go in and, and i go into a bar and then we score them a 61 you get a pint of draft you pretty good chance it's probably going to be okay but it could be better so our job is to work with them to get it better Rarely do we see 20, 30, 40, 50%. Like that's really bad when we get down to that point. Okay. And for the most part, I'll know when I walk in because everybody at the bar is drinking bottles or cans. That Ooh. is that is the telltale sign. When I, I know Ooh, okay. if I'm on a sales call, if I'm going to succeed, if I walk in and all the regulars are drinking bottles and cans, I know there's a problem with the draft. Oh. Right? Especially if they've got 10, 20, 30 lines uh, pints on sale, right? We've got this feature beer on sale for $5 a pint and everybody's drinking bottles and cans. Usually that's a sign there's something wrong with the draft. Whoa. Yeah. So it's when we're getting to blue cheese and the fob levels, it's it's abs- it's abundantly clear Yeah, in the pint. Yeah. You, you can, what, you are, can what are the signs well, it, people are looking so for? So diastole, the butter, right? yeah. a lot of the butter. Um, cloudy. You know, if um, I was at a I was at a bar on Monday mm-hmm. and we're doing an audit and I'm checking the fobs, right? Like we do. And I'm like, okay, well, that one's really cloudy. It looks like a shock top right? Right. Or, or Belgian moon, like a Belgian yeah, wheat okay. beer, unfiltered, cloudy, can't see through it. You know, you can see the ball floating in there, but not really. And I'm like, we just saw a Belgian moon down there and they only have Belgian moon on one tap. Oh, well, look at this brand. It's a filtered lager. Why does it look like an unfiltered lager? So, and that line had no Alarm complaint. bells. Alarm bells go Alarm off, bells. Right? Yeah. yeah. So if it's, if it's to answer your question, if it's cloudy, doesn't taste right, there's sediment in it and there shouldn't be. Yeah. So not all New England IPAs are dirty. They're just meant to be cloudy. Another thing I wanted to touch on, Steve, is carbonation which I think is another reason why draft can be perceived as tasting different from bottles or cans. And Josh and I were talking about texture. Totally. A few episodes back. And although someone might not necessarily register when they're drinking draft that the carbonation level is off, the beer will taste different to them, right? It's like drinking flat Perrier. Uh, historically, they always use air compressors to push drafts. So there was no CO2 going into the beer because you need you need carbon dioxide to push the beer through the line, right? So no CO2, they used air. Beer goes flat and beer, uh, air is an uh, enemy to beer. So they use air. And then Guinness came on the market in the mid-80s. Hey, we got this Guinness gas. Yeah. You need this special gas of CO2 and nitrogen to push, push Guinness through. So then they started using Guinness gas for everything. But if you take a sip of Guinness... Doesn't have a lot of carbonation. No, no, on purpose. It's on yep. purpose, right? That's the style. That's the way it's brewed. But if you take a pint of any lager, ale, insert any beer here, besides Guinness, um, it has much more carbonation. So what bars and restaurants have historically done is use that Guinness gas to push through all their beer, which is totally wrong. 
And then you get taste like the bottom of the keg because there's less CO2 at the bottom than there is at the top when the beer, when the keg oh, starts to empty yeah. because they're using the wrong gas to go in. So carbonation totally affects the taste of the beer, the head on the beer, which e- which turns into profitability, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't right. get the head on the beer because there's no CO2 in there to release it. So profitability, the taste of the beer, beers get returned from guests that say, oh, it just doesn't, it's flat, it's the bottom of the keg. Sure. I don't like it, it doesn't taste right. Whereas that's something that will always be consistent in a bottle or a can. Yes. In an, mm. Unless the brewery does something extremely but terribly more, wrong. But there's right. more margin. So if I'm a bar owner, I want to sell draft instead of bottles and cans because I make more money off of it. Mm-hmm. Again, the 50%, right? We're selling more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to make sure that it's right. So and, and that gas piece is one that's really confused. And we, we help clients with that all the time saying, you know, here's we use math and science. Here's the math and science behind it. This is why you got to have the right carbonation. Well, Steve, I want to take a moment to thank you personally for increasing the number of establishments where I can drink. (laughs) (laughs) If you go to betterbeer.com and you click on Discover Better Beer, we've got all of our places that we audit every month and they're all on there. Oh, that's helpful. It's kind of like the health board, right? Yeah. So you can can see um, we're coast to coast. We've got clients all across Canada. But yeah, those, those places serve a great pint. Um, and we're, we're, we're working there. We're trying to get there. Thank you. I've learned a ton. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me in. I must admit, Joshna, when you sent me that little note about edibles being less, what was it? Not that people less interested, right? Again, another study uh, found uh, that Canadians are now less interested in edible cannabis after legalization than they were when polled before legalization. I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? I am I am a little bit surprised. Interesting. Uh, because the edible piece uh, was is one of those things that really has been allowed to flourish with the advent of legalization. Right? And I've heard a lot of people who are sort of be like, I can't smoke it. Uh, but it is a fun ride to have a gummy bear or a cookie or something like that. And it, I found I've, I've heard a lot of people really excited about the the increase in options for edible cannabis because legalization was as close as it was. And obviously now here. That's true. I think, you know, the issue with edibles is, you know, how much is the right amount? I think with smoking, although it is, I guess, smoking is not ideal. You can vape. Mm-hmm. At least you're very aware of how much you're you're taking you're in, consuming. and there's a little yeah. bit more control there. And with edibles, there's the the delay, the, the totally the delay, delay, and then it hits you, and that's it. And what happens? That body buzz is a whole other thing. You know, how do you know your dose? Yeah, that well, and that's precisely it. And what is so interesting is you see in the in the piece that I sent over. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of the the two most influential reasons for this decrease in excitement has been about one crazy bad experience that nobody wants to duplicate because they ate too much or whatever it was. And they're Mm -hmm. like, we can't turn it off. This sucks. We're not doing this again. And the second piece was either a pet or a, a little one getting into a stash thinking it was chocolate or a treat or something and then eating it and getting crazy stoned. That's a real thing. And yeah. I, I have 
read articles about other areas where it's legal and how progressively the laws have changed so that the snacks are looking uglier and and less and less appetizing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess particularly for to prevent children from getting at it. From getting excited about it. Right. But uh, children will put anything in their mouth. I mean, that's the other truth. The Tide Pods will tell us that. Is that but is that a real concern that children I mean, lock it away. This is what I thought. Put it in a container and then high enough away that the kid can't get at it. For me, the concern is more the dosage. And I came across an article a few weeks back that I think the headline was that cannabis infused beverages are poised to be the next like huge thing. And again, I I hesitate. Uh, and in my mind, I was thinking specifically about the the beer replacements. Yes. And I understand that they're you're pushing the fact that it's it's healthier and that's great. But I feel, you know, first of all, the flavor issue. I don't know what that's gonna taste like. Mm. By all accounts, not great. And from there, again, you know, you you have one and then, you know, you feel like another, but can you have it? Do you have to wait? I These are all questions that I have that make me very nervous. And mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me now that it is legal and people maybe are having a little bit more experience. They're trying it uh, out. And, ma- yeah. and maybe starting to do a little more research now that they are trying it out mm-hmm. and seeing the the very real issues there. Yep. It, uh, it does. I mean, it's, I, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. It's too wild and crazy. Um, and but I thought it was I thought it was really interesting to read that the like the overhype of the like yeah legalization yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do and then when it actually is here we're all like oh no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> but just to the edibles oh, no. just to the edibles just, just to, to the, the edibles to me that makes sense because uh, once you're aware of the different ways then mm-hmm. you're aware of the ways the different uh, smoking versus ingesting yep. will impact you and the. The consequences. The other thing I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. in that article because they did another poll, and they found that few people were aware of CBD and its beneficial properties, yes. and that that could be a thing as and, therapeutic as it is. You mean, yeah, yeah. And with medicinal marijuana being a thing in, in Canada for a long time, I would have thought there would have been more awareness about that and yeah, more that enthusiasm. And certainly, the beverage companies are are banking mm-hmm. on that. I so. was surprised too. Yeah. Side note, Mm. I don't know if you noticed this, but I think uh, the person who conducted the study, Mr. Sylvain Charlebois, isn't he the dude from episode six? He is. When we did food insecurity? Our old friend Sylvain, indeed. Right? I feel like he's our kind of dude. We've already covered two of his studies. It's the truth. We should keep an eye out for him. Yeah, we should keep an eye out for him. Nice one. Joshna, have you heard of beer spas? No. No, but I'm intrigued. They are a thing. Really? Yes. Uh, beer spas started, I'm pretty sure, in the Czech Republic. But now you can find them in Austria, Japan, Iceland, Hungary. And there's even a few in the U.S. And these are places where you can bathe in beer. Okay. Tell me why I would want to. Well... I can't see why anyone would not want to. Personally. <laughs> but, um, all right, beer lady, tell me more. <laughs> um, beer, I think we can all agree, is a very relaxing. Okay, sure. And so the notion, I think, of bathing in pools of beer, and I haven't, 
I've been doing a lot of snooping around. I think the occasional place you're literally bathing in a huge vat of beer. Right. But more commonly, you'll be bathing in some water that has hops uh, or yeast oh, I see. or various so like beer, beer inspired ingredients. Bath. Right. And just imagine the, the smell. Sure. And then uh, you're lying there and you can enjoy, of course, unlimited beer some places nice. have pretzels some places have pretzels there's various treatments you know hop scrubs beer foot baths um so this is a thing an international mm-hmm. thing i've mm-hmm. always been intrigued but okay. the reason it's hit my radar recently is that someone dug up a study and beer is incredibly good for your skin well that i was going to ask because i actually have used a stout uh in my hair. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. I have a little bit of vanity about my hair, so I, I baby it with things. When I when I heard that that luxurious thing was a thing, uh, I went for it, and it, it was noticeably softer, right? Well-conditioned hair, for sure. So... A hair, a beer, a beer rinse for your hair. And sometimes people will combine uh, apple cider vinegar with the beer. Okay. Um, to my understanding, that has to do with the pH and the B vitamins in the beer that really give you awesome. that shine. But this study, there were unlimited number of compounds. I won't even read them because they're all scientific. But what they said that potential uses for these substances in dermatology may include treatment of eczema, contact dermatitis, pigmentary uh, pigmentary disorders, skin infections, skin aging, skin cancers, and photoprotections. That's that's a lot. It is. That's almost everything that is to do with your skin. Well, beer Why is packed more... with vitamins and minerals, okay, so it makes sense to me, all these different compounds. But then with that thinking, there should be like beer body butter. There should. Right? Or something like that. I've seen beer shampoos. Yeah. I've she- seen beer lip balms, but not beer Right, because if it does all that skin butter. conditioning, that should be able to stay on. Right. Okay. We're we're now we're now we're really dialing this up. Yeah. I like this a lot. I've always a product, been intrigued. There's a hot plate product line is coming <laughs> with the beer body butter. It smells wow. so. Certainly the lip balms they smell so good. Whoa, so just imagine a full body lotion. But if it's doing all that magical skin stuff, mm-hmm. I want a tube of it. I want some hand lotion. I want some something. Oh, this is interesting. And but again, we're getting into, or you could just drink it. Oh. <laughs> it's true, it's right? fascinating to be all these or, different uses, right, for beer. And um, it's interesting in term, Speaking of just drinking it, they are still looking into whether any of these, because these are vitamins and minerals that are in the beer that have all these benefits. If you bathe in it, they're not sure if drinking it has any of those effects so right you know, okay i was gonna topically, ask if it is if you can ingest it and have the same impact as a topical application we don't know okay that's yet another <laughs> these scientific studies crack me up it's like who is studying yeah, yeah. the effects of beer on skin <laughs> <laughs> and how are they like what are the variables that are being controlled how is it being applied uh still though i'm interested i i mean i was always sold on the idea and it's on my to-do list should i ever end up in one of those areas but now i'm super convinced right i don't know if i'm Um, convinced i'm i'm trying to think of how many bottles it would take to fill my bathtub right at home what the average volume of a tub is fair enough because then you also have to warm it you'd have (laughs) to go because you're not going to dive into a cold beer tub 
Yeah, or get one of those, you know, in the movies, they have that little metal tub that you kind of just sit in and then they pour yeah, it. Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> you know? right. Oh my God, that's well, funny. I, don't, I think I have to wait till I actually get to a spot that does right. it. I don't think I could commit to doing it at home. That is really interesting. I also, part of me wonders if you would be sticky. So Josh, now it's time for Weird Widget. Ooh, very exciting. And Steve Riley has brought in the Ooh, widget for Steve, us today. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. What did you bring? Let, you us bring? Let us see. All right, you ready? Uh-huh. Here we go. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Okay, so Steve has put down this uh, this is plastic plastic. Mm-hmm. It honestly looks like a teeny tiny little garbage can. It does. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and it has like two raised sides that you might look. It reminds me of like one of those big plastic bins that you can buy just to store a bunch of stuff in. But it really is the size of, uh, it's very small. It sits very happily in the palm of my hand. Yeah. And I can see that the edges have um, what looks to me like grips. I feel like maybe this is meant to oh hold to twist and turn. turn. Yep, and then these they're these way. little on the sides that I think are handles. Uh, there's some I can see what looks like a little locking, a little lock in piece, right? Well, let's be honest. You could put a little string through these two holes and give it to a child and tell them it's a basket for their doll, and they would believe easily. You know, it's oh, perfect. Love it easily, yeah. or something that goes down in a well. Exactly. Right. Yes. A little, uh, a little bucket for a bucket is the word. Do you have a secondary market for these, Steve? Yeah, I do if. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. Right. <laughs> I want to have a closer look at the inside. I want to see. So it doesn't screw onto anything. It just looks like it clips on. Or just one turn, and locks in somewhere. Right. So is this to stop people from touching something? It it should. So if. It's not, but it's not. But to adjust to stop them from adjusting the gas regulator, where that's what I was thinking. Huge problem in the industry. That's (laughs) a a whole different podcast. Okay, Uh, because people love to tinker with the gas pressure. It's not for that, but you're close. Okay, so this is to 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 pause something or keep something. Yeah, one it throws it like sort of. It's a lid of some sort. It's a lid on something. Yeah, it's a lid on something. Mm I think we need to know. Do you have any other guesses? No, I don't. Yeah. The biggest problem with line cleaning. Yeah. When we talk to people about line cleaning, they say, Steve, I don't want to clean my lines as often as I should because I lose all the beer that's in the line. Right? right. So the line cleaner comes in, they hook oh, up the thing, right. and they, they waste all the beer, and there's no way to capture that beer that's in the line. It okay. just gets dumped down the drain. And if you have 20 lines and, you're, and it's 100 feet long, it's 50 ounces per line times 20 lines, right? It starts to add up right, right. really quickly. So what this is, it's a coupler cap. So the coupler attaches to the top of the keg. So which, if you know your line cleaner is coming in on Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. right? Tuesday night, your night manager comes in, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, it's starting to slow down business. You take the, the coupler off, we'll use Stellar or Heineken because it's the most expensive, right? Or Guinness. You take it off and you put the coupler on this cap, and you engage the coupler. So now it thinks that the keg, this is, pretend this is a keg. Oh. Right? And it's empty. And then you trip the fob. So the fob, you push the fob. Up, yep. so the fob, And you go to your cash machine, your point of sale machine, right? And you put in, where you have two pints or however many you have. Your okay. service guy will tell you. So two pints of Heineken. As soon as you sell, the bartender 
sells a pint of Heineken, pulls the tap on, beer goes through the line. Second pint goes through the line. Now the line's empty. So you shut the tap off. Now the line is empty full of beer. You've sold those two oh. pints. The line cleaner comes in in the morning, takes the cap off, and cleans the lines. And now you've sold all the beer in the line instead of wasting it. Okay. So at $8 per line times 20 lines, now you've sold all that beer instead of dumping it down the drain. That's super clever, but also you have to be good with timing. Because if you run out early... Yeah, to anticipate how many beers you're going to need. Now, the the brewery sales reps are not going to like this. So I apologize to anybody who's listening. (laughs) But if I come in and I want brand A and it's out, right? And you say, I'm sorry, we're 86, this brand, right? It's gone. Probably going to order a different beer. Right. Right. Nobody's going to say, oh, this is crazy. I can't believe you're out of that beer. I'm leaving. They're going to say, oh, okay, no problem. I'll have one of those. And but then, what if you're down to your last line and eight people shuffle into the bar? <laughs> <laughs> if business is that good, you can afford to lose all the beer, right? Fair enough. But yeah, you, you, you put this on, let's say you've got 10 lines, you put this on five or six of them and you just, you, you blow it out and it saves you $8 every single month. Look at that. Okay. Is this a betterbeer.com original? Um, no, you can buy them anywhere. We sell them, but okay. yeah, you, you can buy them from your draft service guys should be able to get them for you. We, we sell them pretty much at cost for us. Like it's just, we're just trying to help people and cool. especially we give them to our clients. We're just like, here you go. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a game changer because there's no way you can't take the beer out of the line, put it into a different container and then put it back into the line. The health board goes crazy because you're taking... Also, that's so, gross. It's gross. Yeah. And, and you don't know, you know, there's a lot of variables there. So what this does, it lets you sell the beer in the line instead of dumping it down the drain. Boom. Nice. And in a pinch, doll toy. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying The Hot Plate, rate us or leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Beerology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you to Joshna for joining us today. Hot Plate is recorded at Eggplant Picture and Sound Studios. Our audio engineer is Brad Tigwell. Original music by Dave Bell. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. That's a wrap.